You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder and host of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you want to try a free trial, go to the website, builtforthestage.com, and you'll be on your way to working with me seven days on an interactive fitness app using a former Broadway client's program. If you can hear the sirens in the background, that is your alert. That's your notice. Act on it. Do it. If you like the podcast, go to uh, Instagram, screenshot it, share it on your IG stories. It'd be appreciated for uh, you to help spread the word. Thanks to Broadway Podcast Network. Check them out at bpn.fm. All right. Special guest, as always, Built for the Stage fam. You know, at first, I started working with this individual, and they were like, you know what? It's going to be a short amount of time. Just want to have this thing coming up. Want to train with you. But then I'm out. Peace and out. I'm like, oh, no problem. This happens. It's all good. Then we get to training, and this individual is an athlete with a capital A. So I started to get really sad because I was like, oh, I really like working with this person. This sucks that they're leaving. And then all of a sudden they messaged me and they're like, you know what? I'm not leaving. So we're still working together. Uh, Our guest, again, is a part of the fam. They're on tour with the national tour of The Prom. And they're still in school. They're just crushing the game. You know, they're making it look easy, which is not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about adversity. It's about ups and downs. It's about the trials. So this individual kind of breaks the mold. They're like, ah, didn't even graduate yet, but I'll just book a national tour. No big deal. Please welcome to the podcast, Alexa McGrow. Alexa! Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, And I second all the things you said. Train with him. He's the greatest. You're stuck oh. with me forever. I'm not going anywhere. Yay. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you for sitting through my two minute intro. I appreciate that. But oh my you gosh, know, you're so I, sweet. I'm honored. I lay out, yeah, yeah, I had to lay that out a bit. So you are a wildcat. You're at the University of Arizona. Where are you originally from? Yeah, I'm a wildcat. Um, I've actually never even been to my school, which is the weirdest thing. Um, but. <laughs> I've never even been to Arizona in general. Um, I'm from Houston, Texas, which is where I am now. Rewind. rewind. Do tell. (laughs) Do tell. What is this, a pandemic thing? You started classes online or like, what do you mean? Yeah. yeah. I went to school for a year for musical theater and then moved to New York. And then uh, part of the deal with moving to New York was that I would um, continue my education. But I decided to just go online. I've been doing online school since eighth grade. So um, I found the program at the University of Arizona and they've been great with working with my schedule. Um, And I will, when I graduate, I will go in person and I'll get to like meet my professors for the first time, but I have not been yet. (laughs) Wait a second. You've been doing online classes since the eighth grade? Yes. 
Tell tell me more. Tell us more. Tell okay. tell, tell the listener. What how does how does that work? So not homeschooling, but online. Not homeschooling. Well, yeah. It's, so it's public school online. Um, I my parents were like super against homeschooling, but I was super miserable in um, seventh grade, and so I put together this like I did all my research and I put together this three hour PowerPoint presentation with these binders for my parents. And I was like, listen, like, these are all the reasons why you need to let me do online school. And they were like, "Uh, how do we say no? So they're like, we'll try it for eighth grade. And then if you suck, then you'll go back to school. Um, And even they will tell you it's the greatest thing they ever did for me. Um, I was able to work at my own pace, um, was able to kind of like work professionally simultaneously and take more advanced classes because I didn't have all that like extra busy work on top of it. It was just like homework and I'm pretty self-disciplined. So it was pretty like easy for me to stay on top of my stuff. And I graduated a little bit early and it just worked out really well for me. And I just continued. So when everyone like in the pandemic was like freaking out about online school, I was like, ha, you fools. You've been, you've been at it for a while. Okay. (laughs) So maybe there is some adversity. What happened in the seventh grade when you were having to, Oh my goodness. You're begging. Well, I mean, the seventh grade, it's really, it was before that. There was, I actually had this pretty like crazy injury um, back in 2011. Um, I don't know. Should I just start from like younger? I feel like it would be easier to follow if I just kind of back up a little. Okay. okay, Back up. Where are you from? Where are you from? You're from where? Houston, Texas. You're from Houston, Houston, Texas. Texas. Okay. Growing up. You were what? You were dancing from age zero? What happened? Yeah, dancing pretty close to age zero. Um, like two to three, I would say. And then Halloween came around. Some girl showed up in a unicorn costume, scared me. I quit. And then- <laughs> you quit the dance video because someone showed up in a unicorn costume? Yeah. Hilarious. I was terrified. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I went back. I guess when I was around five and I fell in love with it and I, I did my first solo. I started competing at the age of five. Um, I did my first tap solo to Rock and Robin. Um, and pretty yeah. much from age five to age 11, like all I did, like eat, sleep, breathe, dance. Um, you know, I actually, when I was right before I went on tour, I was cleaning out my junk drawers. You'll appreciate this. And I found this journal and I must have been like seven or eight at the time. And in this journal, this just goes to show like how insane I am. I In this journal, it said, Alexa's daily stretching and conditioning routine. And it said like 100 releves, 100 crunches, each split for three minutes. And it would just like went on and on. And like, I like faintly remember like before school, like I would get up and like do this routine. And then I would go to dance and then I would come home and like, practice more in the game room and my parents were like get in the shower go to bed um (laughs) but yeah I just always I just always had the urge to perform and wanted it more than anything um and so I danced a lot from and you know did the dance convention and competition circuit until I was 11 and then I I had a foot surgery um May 26 2011 um I had this genetic deformity. I mean, I thought, I guess you could call it. it was an extra, an extra bone. Um, and I ended up being pretty much bedridden, um, immobilized for a year and a half. Um, and the doctors wow. told me they weren't sure if I'd be able to dance again. And 
you know, for like, for anyone, that's tough news to hear. But at age 11, um, that was even extra difficult. Yeah, Um, the end of your world. Yeah, at that point, I thought everything I'd worked for was, you know, done for. And I had slowly been kind of transitioning into like the contemporary and ballet circuit because I thought that I might want to go down that road. So I was supposed to go to ABT in New York and their young dancers program for ballet. And like, that was that was the next thing. And everything just got kind of torn away from me. And I sat and sulked in my sorrows for a while. And then my parents, the most supportive and incredible people in this world, um, they were like, we got to we got to get you out. We got to get you doing something. And they found um, Theater Under the Stars, Tuts in Houston, which is a big regional theater. Um, they have a school called the Humphrey School Musical Theater, and it's an audition-only academy, but they've got summer camps. And I had always wanted to, like, try singing and acting, so they enrolled me in one of the summer camps. And I came out hobbling on my crutches after my first day, after, like, my first, like, voice and acting class. And I was like, yep, yeah, this, is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to sing and I'm going to act. And I'm going to dance again. And I changed my mindset and I went into my rehab with a new outlook and determined to make this happen. And I proved the doctors wrong. Mm. And clearly I'm able to dance again, which is amazing. Um, I will say I've had some additional injury struggles along the way. Um, and that's kind of been something that I continually having to work through. I'm um, just feeling like um, my body has betrayed me multiple times. And I just, I don't understand because I, I do everything that I possibly can to make myself the best athlete that I can be. Um, but you know, we, we push through and here we are. So. Okay. Well, I I take back everything I said about being facetious in the very beginning that the red carpet was just rolled out and you went through some stuff. Wow, eleven years old to be basically immobile for a year and a half must have been the worst thing ever. Um, yeah. When you had that turning point, when you went to the the, the summer camp and mm-hmm. you came out saying like, "This is what I'm going to do," mm-hmm. and you went into your rehab for just getting back to functioning, mm-hmm. what was that like? You know. We, we have those highs. So you came out of the summer camp on that high, like this is what I'm going to do. Talk about the lows throughout the rehab process where, you know, it wasn't all butterflies and rainbows. What did you have to like to go through to keep pushing to? Yeah, I was in, I had the greatest physical therapist ever and they, they kind of had a super unconventional way of, um, uh, rehabbing. They did like a bunch of that was my first time with all like, you know, dry needling and different modalities, percussors and laser treatment and um, ultrasound. And they also, one of my physical therapists was a professional rugby player. And he, he would have me like do these like rugby drills. He would like have the ball and we would like do all these like agility drills um, and just kind of make it fun because obviously I was 11 years old so like just having to go there for four hours every day was while my friends were at dance was tough enough in itself um and I got really close with them and they they were so great and they they obviously I thank them for getting me back to where I am today but 
yeah, definitely not all butterflies. Um, I lots of lots of crying, lots of feeling like I was gonna give up. Um, but again, I have the greatest support system. Um, and even all of my my dance teachers on top of my family, just everyone was so, so great about letting me wean back in slowly. And I even, I had like started to start dancing again and it was hurting and I had to stop again. Um, so there was like a lot of stopping and starting. I wasn't like, okay, great. I'm better. Let's go. Um, but simultaneously while that was all going on, I was also starting to train more seriously in the voice and acting departments. Um, so I kind of had that to focus on and I really tried to use that time, um, and that energy to, perfect my skills in that so that I could be ready to do musical theater because it was going to be my first time attempting that. Okay. So you went to school for musical theater for one year, you said, where did you do that? Yeah, I went to school, I guess, really a semester. Um, I went to Otterbein University in Ohio, which I know you're from. That's Mm -hmm. right. Chatted about it. And I went for like a semester and a half. And then I ended up booking West Side Story at the Lyric Opera and I left. Um, But they were so great about letting me finish out my year kind of doing like a study abroad type thing. And um, so I ended up getting all of my credits my freshman year, which was amazing. Um, And yeah, after that show, I got injured again. I actually had two injuries before that show as well. But I ended that contract with tibial stress fractures in my left leg. Um, and it was after that contract that I really started getting into, um, the gym and lifting, um, and getting over that like fear mindset of, you know, lifting makes you bulky, blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, that was what I tapped into after that injury. But that was, yeah, I moved to Chicago for three months when I was 18. Mm-hmm. And then just decided to go straight to New York and continue my education online. So I'm a senior at the University of Arizona. I'm getting an arts, media, and entertainment degree, um, which basically that's what it's called. But they're allowing me to kind of take whatever classes I want. Um, so I'm taking, because I have so many different interests, I'm taking a lot of um, special education courses and nutritional science and just pretty much. Uh, psychology, just a lot of different things. So I've got five classes left, and then I'll graduate. <laughs> okay, you're getting you're getting close. I'm getting close. Yep. Arts, media, and entertainment is like what it's actually. Yeah, it's like a at. bachelor's in general studies with an arts, media, and entertainment emphasis. Okay. Okay. And what have you grown interested in with like the the media side of things? Anything? With the media side of things? The media side. Media, the entertainment side, like not just mm-hmm. the performing part, but the the back behind the scenes stuff. Anything with that? Sure. Yeah. You know, the the title of the degree is a little bit deceiving because I'm gonna be honest, like okay, because so many of my credits from Otterbein transferred in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Though all of my arts credits were already covered. So I like really haven't even been able to take too many arts classes. Um, I've taken like history of film and, um, cinematography and things, but to be honest, the, that's the title of my degree, but that's not really what I'm focusing, focusing on at all. Really. Understood. 
All right. So yeah. with uh, with the prom, when did this journey start? When when was your first audition? Tell us about it. Um, it's been pretty full circle. I still can't believe that I'm in this show. Um, I was I was a sophomore in high school when they did the Out of Town in Atlanta. And I remember I was supposed to be doing my schoolwork. Usually I was really good about it, but I happened to be on the Playbill website, like watching the proms out of town videos. And I remember coming down to my mom and being like, mom, look at this show. I need to be in this show. And she was like, okay, <laughs> one day. Um, and then I went to Broadway and I was, you know, still in high school. And then there was auditions for the tour, I guess the summer, what was it? The summer of, I, can't even remember the years anymore. I don't even know what year we're in. I guess that's what the pandemic does to us. The summer of 2021, it must have been. There were auditions for the tour, and um, my agent could not get me an appointment, and I was devastated. I don't know why. I, I just couldn't be seen. Um, but I actually I have these videos on my phone of me just randomly bored over the pandemic watching the prom Tony Awards performance and like learning the choreography on my own just because like I just wanted to be a part of this show so badly. Um, so that was that. And then fast forward, I guess, you know, the, the cast got the tour got cast and I just kind of moved on. Um, fast forward nine months, I get an email in February for an audition for Mean Girls. Um, and you know, it's the same choreographer and director, Casey Nicola. He does both shows. Um, and I went in for Mean Girls. I went in for Gretchen, um, four times and I ended up, I had my final with Casey and then I didn't get it. And again, just moved on. And then I got called back in to audition for the ensemble and covered Janice. So I went back in and did that. And then two days later, I got a call that I got the prom. Mm. So... <laughs> I actually didn't audition for the prom. Oh, ever. They're just like, hey. yeah, because Casey's a part of both. Yeah, understood. Yeah, you just crazy, crazy. And, and tell us about getting that news. <laughs> you, my roommate, she will tell you, you would have thought like someone was being murdered in our apartment. I, I like <laughs> was hysterical, absolutely hysterical. And of course I called my mom right away and then the rest of my family. Um, but I, I just, I could not believe what I had just heard. I couldn't believe it. Mm. And then it, it everything happened pretty fast. So like the weeks leading up to it, you know, like I had to find a sublet for my apartment in New York and pack up everything and head out. So I joined the show. I started rehearsals. It was kind of a weird schedule because they were about to have a month layoff period. So I learned the show in Chicago in 13 hours and then I had my put in and then I left for a month and we went home for a month and then I went to Seattle and opened on May 31st after a month off and 13 hours of rehearsal. <laughs> so it was a pretty crazy process, but I finally like feel like I know my show. And now of course, since I, I just had COVID, so I was out of the show for this last week in San Francisco. So I'm super antsy to get back because I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> I'm so grateful. How, how's that been navigating COVID while being on tour with everyone? Like different uh, venues and just has, yeah. yeah, 
what kind of ups and downs? Like I was just talking to people about it because a lot of these these actors have toured a lot before, and they were talking about how like different this experience just doing a tour with COVID has been. And for me, I don't really have anything to compare it to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we test every day, um, and we when we're not on stage, we wear we wear our masks, and we're just trying to keep everyone as healthy as possible. Um, but clearly, that doesn't always work, and we just we just had an outbreak this last week, so we ended up having to cancel a few shows, um, and then so I only ended up missing five shows instead of I would have missed like twelve. Um, but it was so hard sitting in that hotel room isolated. It was so difficult. What's Very your favorite sad. part? What's your favorite part of the show? My favorite part of the show. Um, favorite number? Or what? What's the one that just gets you going? I have not a favorite number, but like dance, like specific dance sequences, like within the number. I have three favorites. I have in the finale of the show, we have a sequence called Crank. I love that. In Tonight Belongs to You, we have this female entrance where we all like strut down and our cute little dresses. And then in Love Thy Neighbor, we have a sequence called Couples Therapy. And I don't know why it's called that, but it's very fun. Mm. Okay. And what uh, what's one thing about the tour that, you know, we don't know about? Say you wanted to sell someone to do whatever they could to come see your show. Why Why would they want to do that? That they don't already know? Yeah, like what's what's something about the production or just something that you find special that you know, someone that has an understanding of maybe what the show is kind of about, mm-hmm. but not fully, like, is there something, a message or a type of, like, yeah. What's the, yeah. like, if you were out, out to dinner and your family said, oh, this is so-and-so, they were interested in maybe seeing your show, what would you say to them to say, oh, you have to see it because X, Y, Z? The prom is a show where you're going to go in and you're going to laugh, but you're also going to cry and you're going to have, you're going to feel every emotion under the sun and it's, it's lighthearted. Um, it's a celebration of love and there's, <clears throat> I think it's important for everyone to hear this message of acceptance um, and just kind of see, listen and see things from, a different perspective than maybe what you're used to. Um, and I think the show does a good job of accurately representing everybody's perspectives mm. that are so real to them. Um, yet that we can, even if we're divided, um, we can have conversations and agree upon not, we don't have to agree upon things, but we can, still be cordial and love one another and accept one another. All right, there we go. Thank you. What's uh, one of the favorite cities that you've been to on tour? Um, well, I've only done Chicago, Worcester, Massachusetts, Seattle, and now San Francisco so far. Um, Tell me about Seattle. I haven't been yet. I need to go. Oh, it was cool. It was really cool. And we were there for three weeks. So that was great. What was, the um, cool, what was some cool things about I will it? say, like, I love the sun. I don't like the rain. The mm. rain puts me in a bad mood. 
<laughs> so like being cloudy and gloomy all the time wasn't my fave. Um, that was the city that we had the 24 hour fitness right across the street though, which was so nice. That was one of my favorite parts of Seattle. <laughs> it's very convenient. Okay. Um, no, what was my favorite thing I did in Seattle? Oh, we went on a hike to Discovery Park. Um, beautiful views. It was actually like a nice day that day. The sun came out. Um, yeah, lots of just like nice outdoorsy things there. Right. There was this really good coffee shop, um, Cafe Hagen. Got good lavender lattes there. Yeah. No. All right. So while you're on tour training, you obviously have done a phenomenal job of keeping up with. Kudos to you. Thanks for Thank you. making me proud. How about like uh, dancing outside of the show? Do you still try to take class of some sort or practice dance beyond your show? There's no way. I mean, this show. Have you seen? Have you, did you have you did you get to see the promo on Broadway? Yeah, yeah. It's my body is still adjusting to that in itself. Um, and honestly, like since I've been on the tour, there's been so many changes that we've been in rehearsal so much. Um, so I guess I'm kind of getting dancing outside of the show within the show. Um, but I haven't. No, I haven't been able to dance outside of the show it's it's i'm either working out or like resting mm -hmm. for sure <laughs> like like um trying to proactively like give myself like massage and ice and heat yeah. because i just i don't i don't want to get injured i don't <laughs> i just did a cold plunge a couple of weeks ago um i, would I not, saw that i would not I, I, I could never I, uh, I, I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> How'd you feel after? Do you feel rejuvenated, like a new? Yeah, your your joints are just like numb in all the right ways. Uh, the blood flow that you get is just crazy. Um, but I was like concerned for my feet because I did submerge my feet and hands, and my friend that uh, owns the the cold tub was like, oh, you might want to leave your feet out. And it was true. Like I was kind of concerned about getting out of the tub because my feet were just numb. I didn't know how I was going to stand. You're like, I'm going to fall over. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah. Was, and I like a foot ice bath is hard enough. Like, right. I could never, I could it, never. Was a, it was an experience. It was Kudos an experience. to you. That's awesome. Check it off the list. Check it off the list. It. Uh, speaking of checking off the list, what is a dream show of yours that you want to check off the list? So you are so crazy about wanting to be in the prom when you're younger and here you are, you're in the prom. What's another show that you're like, Oh, I just, I have a few. Can I list a few? Of course. Of course. Okay. Hamilton. Okay. Um, Beetlejuice. Uh-huh. Next to normal and into the woods. Yeah. And honestly, in my head, like, that's my list. And once I check off that list, other than, like, maybe originating a role or doing a new musical, I want to transition and do TV film and voiceover full time. So, yeah. Uh, first off, good selection of shows. Definitely Thank can you. see you in all of those. I just saw Into the Woods a week or so ago. I'm so it was, jealous. It was quite the show. It was very yeah, good. Little, Little Red Riding Hood is my, my dream. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, you would you would crush. What about voiceover stuff? Like, how do you break into that? If anyone that's listening is interested, 
where do you start? Where do you start to get into voiceover? Good question. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you not know? <laughs> I, just kind of- I don't know. You know, I... I've wanted to do voiceover my entire life, but like had no idea how to get into it. Everyone was always like, oh, you have a really unique voice. It was either that or I was bullied for my voice and I was called mouse in school and, you know, it was a, it's a big thing, whatever. Um, but I would like sit with my brother, my little brother, he's nine years younger than me. And I would sit with him when he was little and we would like watch cartoons and I would mimic the voices. And I was just like, I always wanted to do that. But again, had no idea how to make it happen. And yeah. then... I just happened to talk to a friend who kind of dabbled in voiceover and she connected me with a coach in New York and I started coaching with him one-on-one and we laid down a demo um, because basically when you start voiceover, the goal is to get an agent because you really can't be considered for anything if you don't have an agent in voiceover. Um, So I laid down that demo in... (laughs) the beginning of March, 2020 in New York and the pandemic hit (laughs) and I came home and I had my meeting with my agents right in this spot right here. Um, like right at the start of the pandemic. Um, I was like the first person they ever had a zoom meeting with. And part of my audition was that my agent gave me a real audition to do. And she was like, send this to me. I'll send it off. Let's see how you do. And it was a Trident commercial. And she called me the next day and she was like, well, you booked the commercial, so I'll sign you. <laughs> okay. Like, okay. Um, but don't be fooled. Like that, <laughs> that was just like some kind of crazy coincidence. I don't even know. Like who knows if I didn't book that commercial, would I be with my agent? Probably not. I think I just got really lucky. Um, but then I kind of just started figuring it out on my own, trying to like do my own research, um, listening to podcasts. I was working with my coach, um, virtually. And honestly, the majority of my training has come from auditions because when the pandemic hit voiceover was still going strong. So everyone was needing voice actors. Um, so I had like in March and April 2020, I would average like 14 auditions a week. Um, so it was just so much practice that I was able to get on my own, um, just doing different voices and different genres of voiceover, um, and then listening back and kind of self-critiquing. And then it's just kind of taken off from here, but I, I absolutely love it. I love it. And I feel so lucky to get to do it and yep. use my... Sorry to interrupt. Before we hit record, you were telling me a story about you recording in that closet and you're on like a stool or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So right now I'm in my parents' closet because this is um, kind of where we set up my recording studio during the pandemic. One time I was recording an audio book and we were, I was in here for eight hours for three days straight in my parents' closet. And they were just so kind to just like, sacrifice their space for me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my family is really loud. I, did I say that? My family's loud. So this like their closet isn't like an alcove on the other side of the house. So it just works. And the sound is really great in here. Like, I don't know why, but it's just, it absorbs sound really well and it's super dry. But yeah, I was in the hotel in San Francisco and that was the first, that was the first closet that I've had on tour that's been able to fit a body inside. Um, 
but not really. So I had, I took my nightstand, um, which was just like this little wooden box and I stuck it in there and then I stacked a pillow on top of that and then just kind of like sat in the closet on the nightstand with like my body um, contorted and then just like put clothes around me and like pillows around me and just like sat up to my mic like that and recorded and the audio engineer was happy. So <laughs> it was kind of amazing. <laughs> like, oh, great. You sound like you're in a studio. I was like, mm, not quite. So that three, the three days in your parents' closet recording that audiobook, I would just love it if people could like be on uh, Audible buying the book and uh-huh. somehow realizing that the girl who's speaking was actually in her parents' closet. In a closet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Hilarious. That was my first audiobook too. So I was, I was terrified. And I was in a closet staring at a wall for eight hours a day. Hey, it's, but it worked. It was good. Yeah, it's the willingness to make it work, to make it happen, to be brave enough to just take the leap is what makes people extraordinary and special and do big things. So kudos to you. All right, last, last question. Uh, you might not have an answer for it, and it actually will lead me to another question. So my last question is, Beyond uh, singing, acting, dancing, voice recording, fitness. Uh, <laughs> You're listing all my things. <laughs> right. Who is Alexa McGrow beyond that? What does she like? What does she do? If there's anything. If there's not, you'd be like, that's it. That's what it is. Uh, there's there's things. You know, I think I'm I'm still trying to figure that out myself, and I – I would say that that's a that's an endless journey for everyone, right? Um, and ironically, like that was the toughest thing for me over this whole period of time, like having to move home from New York and being here and not having those things, was that I felt like I was going through this like mid mid quarter life crisis because <laughs> because I. <laughs> I didn't have any interests beyond that. And so I felt like without all those things, I didn't know who I was. Yeah. Um, oh, man. It gets me every time. <laughs> but so I worked really hard over the pandemic to try to find other things that I enjoy um, because I don't want these things to be my identity um, and to be everything that I am. Um, and something I found over the pandemic that I loved was the outdoors. I never really appreciated the outdoors. (laughs) I really didn't. And now I love nature. I like, I want to be like an adventurous person. I want to go like, maybe not jump off cliffs yet because I'll probably get injured, but you know, (laughs) do those things. I like, since I've been on tour, I've been hiking in every city and just trying to do all of the outdoorsy things and I just and be by the ocean and I just like feel so rejuvenated when I'm outside um so I never would have thought I would like the outdoors and now I love the outdoors what else do I like I love food I'm a major foodie um I what's your, what's I, your favorite what's some of your your favorite dish what's a, a favorite food? Um, 
Mediterranean is probably like my favorite cuisine in general. I say that I also I'm a sucker for like assembly line restaurants. That's what I call them. Like I could live on Chipotle, sweet green and cava for the rest of my life. Okay. Um, That's the hardest thing so far about being on tour, though, is like I grew up and my I was so fortunate. My mom kind of she cooked homemade pretty much every night. We didn't really eat out a lot. And then I moved out on my own and I did the same. And like some places we don't even have a microwave. So that's been a big challenge for me um, because, you know, like good fresh food feels like home for me and it just makes me feel better, you know, and you just feel nasty after like eating, even if it's like good nutritious food, it's just different when you don't make it yourself. Um, So that's been a challenge for me on tour. Man, I don't even know what the original question was. I just go off on tangents. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, we were talking about who you are outside of performing and all that. Oh so my, I, I'm a foodie. I like food. Yeah, um, outdoors, foodie. Mm-hmm. Foodie, um, my family. I'm a huge family girl. Um, yeah. I Any time I can spend with them is the greatest. Yeah, you know, my question. Whenever you don't live at home anymore. <laughs> yeah. My question stemmed from, you know, oftentimes when people reach a place of uh, excellence, a lot of the time moderation is not a part of that journey. And it's like later on, like you were discovering during the pandemic of you reach the excellence and then you start to realize, oh, I want to have other things than, than just that. Um, yeah, but sometimes though, you just have to knowingly make that sacrifice of putting moderation aside to reach excellence, to know that, you know, once you do the thing, there will always be time for moderation. Mm -hmm. And that's not everyone's journey. That's not everyone's journey. You know, people just desire moderation from the beginning, which is Mm -hmm. fine. But there's a lot of sacrifice that is involved when striving for excellence, for sure. And, you know, thank you for that. Um, I think I feel like part of I'm loving touring thus far, and obviously I haven't been on the road for very long. But what's so great about it, too, is although I'm still on the job, I feel like you know, because I was I was always so busy, I never really got a chance to like travel or really see things or do things. So I'm simultaneously kind of getting to do those things now and figure out the things I enjoy, what I don't like, what I do like, you know, and meet new people. And so I think it's just a constant work in progress um, journey. But yeah, I think the tour, I think touring is benefiting me greatly in that way. Cool. Nice addition to the journey. That's All right, Alexa, thanks so much for joining us on Built for the Stage podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You're the greatest coach, Joe. Oh, my goodness. Get out of here. Everyone, (laughs) that was Alexa McGraw from her parents' closet in Houston, Texas. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you want to follow Alexa on the gram, uh, her handle is in the description of this episode. It's Alexa underscore McGrow. Check out her website, alexamagrow.com. She's just getting started, folks. So follow along in the journey. Can't wait to see what's to come. She's uh, 
seemingly a magnificent person from this chat and our talks on the app, but she definitely is an amazing athlete. It's always inspiring to see her train. So thank you for that inspiration, Alexa. Special thanks again, BPN, Broadway Podcast Network. Check them out, bpn.fm. I'm Joe Roscoe, builtforthestage.com. Actors are athletes, train like one. Later. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.